All right, well, we're going to um, be opening our Bibles. And so if you need a Bible so that you can read along, will you raise your hand? We're going to be reading out of the New American Standard Bible, the NASB today. If you need a Bible to read along, will you raise your hand? The ushers will pass one out. Keep your hand raised nice and high. We've got like five over here. Got someone in this. Got one in each section. So leave your hand up until they get it to you. Well, we are going to, um, we're actually going to jump over. And I know when you're going through a book in the Bible, you're not technically supposed to skip any parts. And so we're going to come back to them at some point. Um, but just felt like we were supposed to do this part here. So I'm not saying the other parts aren't important or anything like that. We ended at James chapter 4, verse 10. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of a leap to James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18 today. So if you want to go there in your Bible, whether you got a paper Bible or you got one on your phone, uh, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. We're looking at this is the letter from James, but not just looking at what we would call the book of James, which is one of the books that is found in this bigger book that we call the Bible, but is also looking at it as an actual letter that as James, how did it end up in this book is he wrote a letter to the early church. And so we're putting ourselves in the place of the early church because there's really not a whole lot different between them and us. There's not a whole lot different from a lot of the things they were dealing with politically and what we're dealing with politically. Uh, I will tell you that from the time of Jesus' death, every single generation has said, can it actually get any worse than it is right now? And has looked at the wars that are taking place, has looked at the politics that are taking place, has looked at just culture that's around them and said, this has to be the end. And so we're really not that different. And so really looking at this as a letter that was not just written to a people long ago, and now we're reading it as a, oh man, isn't that crazy? Like, that's what they were going through, and okay, I can see the correlation and why he wrote it that way, but actually seeing it as a letter that he's writing to us. So we're gonna read through it um, in that way, and then we're gonna go back and kind of look at, uh, I kind of broke it into four sections, and we'll kind of look at it that way. So it says, is any, anyone among you suffering? then he must pray. And um, in this translation, it's saying he, but we're talking about all of us in the room, okay? So, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. That's what we've been doing. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, 
and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And if it did not rain on the earth, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. So we're gonna look at this kind of from four um, different, as we kind of, I broke it out into four different sections. One, our response to what's going on in our lives. It, it matters, our response. When we face things, what is our response? Because it really matters. How we show our faith. How is it that you and I walk out faith? How confessing our sins and praying for each other changes things. There is power that comes when we confess our sins and when we pray for one another. And that also our prayers have power. There is power in our prayers. Many times we can look at it and think, man, I've been praying for this for so long and doesn't seem like anything's changed. And so then we kind of give up on it. But we're gonna go to this question, just we put this up here, more just as something if, um, if you're getting bored with what I'm saying or you got distracted by my amazing shoes um, or you just start daydreaming and you're like, wait a minute, where am I? Okay, I'm here. And wait, what are we even to like? He's just, I can just hear him yapping and yapping and yapping. What are we talking about? Is to go back to this, maybe this will kind of center you a little bit and kind of help you out. But the question that I think that I want us to all be asking ourselves is how do we invite God and others? So it's yes, God, but it's also others into the highs and lows of our life. If you're like me, it's a lot easier to invite God into the lows of my life, my prayer life and Bible reading life and devotion life skyrockets the worse my life gets. And then somehow as he begins to answer my prayers, in a sense, this kinda goes down. And it's like, you know what? God, we've been meeting every week or you know, every day. Um, I know you're busy, there's a lot of other people to meet with. How about you just, let's just cancel our coffee appointment today and uh, we'll pick it up next week. But also, a lot of times it's easier to tell other people the highs in our life, but in, or even maybe some of the lows that we feel um, confident in sharing. But when it really comes to being vulnerable in saying, I'm struggling in this way. I'm not strong in this area. I, I lack in this area. It's a lot more difficult. So. How do we invite God and others into the highs and lows of our life? Really, how is he challenging us to go deeper in that way? So verse 13 um, through uh, 14, it says, is anyone among you suffering? So that word suffering in some translations, it, it would use like afflicted um, and now, some of that could be as seen as, as something that's, that's just kind of happening to us, something difficult that's taking place. Uh, it could also be seen as something that is kind of the byproduct of our own actions. Uh, anybody here ever feel like God was trying to get your attention and you didn't hear his whisper and then you didn't hear his shout and so he got a two by four and clotheslined you? Anybody ever feel that like with me? Um, you know, so sometimes even in our suffering, and, and if you're like me, many times we can pray against those things. And, and we're really actually praying against God trying to get our attention. 
We're like, God, could you remove this from me? And he's really saying, I, actually, I'm trying to, I want you to see something. I, I'm, I'm trying to actually draw you closer to me. It says, then he must pray. So when we go through suffering, what is our first reaction? It's to, it should be to slow down and say, God, to be honest, here's what's going on. What do you want me to see? What do you want me to learn? What do you want to do in me? Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Man, let's remember that we don't just go to God for our needs. He's not just our genie in the bottle. Um, He's not a genie in the bottle. I shouldn't say he's not just because he's not at all. Uh, But he's not just there to fix our problems as a handyman that we call because we got a water leak or something's taking place. Man, he is to be exalted. He is to be worshiped. If you were here at near the beginning of, the, of our gathering, we, we sang a song called Praises. It had a little bit of a hop to it, had some clap to it. But the idea is let's praise God. Let's get excited. Let's, let's get filled with joy about what he's doing and who he is. Man, I remember um, Christmas time, it, the we weren't allowed to have a Christmas tree in the house that I grew up in just because of the church environment that I grew up in. Uh, it was really free. And uh, anyways, we couldn't have a Christmas tree. And so, but we always went to my dad's parents' house and they could have a Christmas tree. And so we would go there. And I remember my, my dad's mom, I mean, she always knew exactly what it was that we wanted. And uh, it was, I remember opening those gifts. I remember, I think I was um, nine and I got my first Levi's jacket with the sheepskin inside. Come on, anybody. Those things are worth like $5,000 now. If you had a, a genuine, there's. And man, I remember the joy that I had. And I remember how much I wore that coat and the pride I felt wearing that coat how I felt seen because my grandmother knew what I wanted and got it for me. You know, every day you and I get to open up a gift from God, every day. And he is actually right in front of us, giving us everything we need to get through that day. Every day I get to open up another package, tear open the paper with excitement Maybe a little bit of fear because I don't know what's inside, but excitement and, and open up the box and put on the coat for today and saying, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I am going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. So if any of you are cheerful, sing praises, lift up your voice. Who cares if you think you have a bad voice? Okay, we all think that. Well, no, there's a couple people who don't. Sing praises. I'll just stop there. (laughs) Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's interesting in this part. It says, is anyone among of you sick? He actually says, then he, referring to the sick person, must call on the elders. It doesn't say, is any one of you sick? The elders should see you and go after you. Now, it also talks about leadership 
in the Bible and it talks about the role of, of, of pastors or the role of elders is to see the people in the church. So that is definitely very much part of it. But even as we went through um, the, the radical connection in the first one is being a self-feeder. Yeah, you're supposed to come and hopefully I or whoever's up here speaking or the person that exhorts that's on the praise team, hopefully that encourages you, it equips you, it challenges each one of us. But that alone isn't how we're supposed to just be taught the word. You and I are supposed to open this on our own. There's an ownership piece that takes place there and that's that being a self-feeder. In the same way, when we are sick, we're not supposed to just sit back Say, does anybody see me? Does anybody know what I'm going through? But we're supposed to say, I need prayer. Can, will you guys come pray for me? Because I need prayer. And so it says that the sick ones are supposed to ask for prayer. It says, and then the elders of the church will pray over them. The elders were the church leaders. They were the pastors. They were the, 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 the leaders of the church. Here, we, we do have elders, and that kind of operates like a board. Um, that's not their sole role in that. There's a spiritual element to it. We also have staff pastors. We have what we call ministry coordinators that oversee areas um, of the church family. We have what we call facilitators. Instead of department heads, we don't have one youth pastor. We have five that work together in that way. So we have church leaders and there's something, um, it doesn't mean that their anointing is more greater, but there is something that God has placed in them to, uh, uh, and there is an uh, authority and, um, and a wisdom to walk people through, through certain things. So we're supposed to call on them for that. It says, and anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, oil back in that time was also a sign of, had, had a, even like a, a medicinal element to it, a sign of, of healing, like a medicine. But it also represents anointing. So when David was anointed king, they came and he looked for his brothers and said, no, it's none of them. He says, oh, it's you. And lucky if you ever got called out for something like that, they took a whole like vat of olive oil and like, I was thinking about that last night. Like, you might feel like, anybody ever do that broken egg thing where you go? Anybody ever had that happen? I know it's a little awkward. I'm sorry. I should have asked you first. Um, invited your privacy there. But is there that sense and you kind of like, you get chills and like kind of like what the, the oil would feel like coming down. But then it's like, man, what would I do next? Like, I'm now drenched in olive oil. You don't just like wipe it off. You know, you don't just take a towel and dry. It saturated you. So the, but the anointing wasn't, the power wasn't in the oil. It was something that was symbolic. And that's why it says, in the name of the Lord. So the power is not even in you and I. The power is in Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the one that heals. So if any of us are sick, we're supposed to call. You know, that's our faith, is our faith element if you're sick. Many of you know that my dad died of cancer. And during that time in, in the church we were in, there was a lot on faith. And so people had kind of this belief that if 
if someone didn't get healed, that it was either the sick person had no faith or the person praying didn't have faith. And so if someone died, then the person who was the prayer automatically said, well, it wasn't me. I had my part. They must not have had their part. It's extreme, but it happens all the time. But the faith of the sick one is to believe that God is able. We're not here strong-arming God. We're believing he's able. And one of the ways of doing that is getting up and saying, for the hundredth time, for the five hundredth time, for the thousandth time, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna come and say, will you pray for me? This is what I'm going through. Because the discouragement that happens when, you've, when you have something going on in your life like that and you received prayer before is to sit down and just be like, I did it last week. Like, I'm tired of this. I've prayed with every single person. I'm just gonna get up there again and say, yep, still happening. But you know, the faith comes by standing up and taking a step and walking forward and saying, I don't know why God is allowing this to take place, but I still wanna keep calling on him as the miraculous one. I still wanna keep calling on him as the one who died for my sins, but overcame the grave three days later and rose from death and has the power to conquer all infirmity and all sickness. And I wanna stand on that. And I wanna step out in that faith. Verse 15, in the power or and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. So in this faith, I wanna look at uh, two things. I wanna go to, um, if you like flipping through your pages, you can go to Daniel chapter three. We're gonna read three different quick little portions of scripture here. Daniel chapter three, verses 17 and 18. This is where um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, have basically been told that um, they can't worship God. And the only thing they should bow down to is the king of that day and, and what represents him. And any kind of worship of God um, or worship of anything else, bowing down to anything else will not be tolerated. And if you're found to have been doing that, you're gonna be thrown Um, thrown into a pit. So it says here, they're being confronted on this and saying, because they they are still choosing to worship God. Verse 17, it says, "Um, if it be so, our God, so saying even if, because they're being threatened on this, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, so there is the part. So it's saying, I believe he is able. I believe he has the power to. I believe he's capable of this. But it's not, it's not holding him to it that he's only good if he does exactly what I ask him to do. And so in verse 18, but even if he does not, Let it be known to you, O king, that you are not going to serve 
um, that, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So there was something about his, the, the declaration of saying who God was, what he's capable of doing, and what they were standing on in their faith, but saying even if it doesn't happen in that way that they would want it to happen, God is still good, and God is still powerful, and he's still the one to be worshiped. Then if you look at Matthew chapter uh, 26, this is verse uh, 39 and 42. This is Jesus. He's a... Well, he's already been betrayed, but he's in the garden and he's praying with his disciples. They already did the Last Supper where, where they, they, they took communion, they took the broken bread, they, they took the juice. And he goes to this garden and, and he's praying and he knows that the time is coming where the guards, the Roman guards are gonna come or they're gonna come and they're gonna get him, okay? And so he's there in, in verse 39 and he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, this is Jesus, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So he's saying, God, I know why, you put, why I was called down here. I know what I'm supposed to do. And so there's a request saying, if there's any way, let this not take place, but, even if it does, God, your will be done. Later on, verse 42, he went away again a second time and prayed saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. So there's a place where we're called to step out in faith. We communicate that, but we're also supposed to surrender to God's sovereignty and to trust him. Going back to James, last week we looked at James, the beginning part of chapter four. In verse three of chapter four, it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. The idea being is many times what we ask for is based off of what serves us best. None of us wanna go through life and have all these struggles or these hard things take place. So, so we, we ask God, but there's something where we need to, yes, step out in faith, but we also trust who he is and we trust his goodness. Our tendency though is to be on one of the camps or the other. We're on the camp that runs up because we believe and then our world comes crashing down when it doesn't happen the way we want it to. Or we're on the camp where we're like, well, God's sovereign, so I'm just gonna sit here and uh, whatever happens, happens. But he's asking us to step out in faith in who he is, but still trust in his goodness, whether it happens our, the way we had wanted it to or not. All right, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins, to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So we confess our sins. Part of that is if we've wronged one another, we need to make sure we go and we make it right.
we also pray for one another. You know, one of the most powerful acts of forgiveness, because forgiveness can sometimes be a process. Uh, we've already done enough hand raising, so I'm gonna put my hands in my pockets. But um, if you're like me, I remember you know being a kid and getting in a disagreement, if you will, with one of my siblings and not doing, you know, not treating them the way I was supposed to and being told like, you need to go say you're sorry. Man, I just wanna say who else has gone through that. But I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna know. Just, you know, you can give me a head nod or something. Um, is there's so many times where we, we step out and we say it, but sometimes we maybe don't feel it right away. But one of the ways to build it up inside of us is to pray for the other person is to pray God's blessing over the other person. I've had times, believe it or not, I know it's gonna be hard to believe, where um, I haven't always agreed with Tamar. <laughs> Don't know why, but there have been a couple of times, I can count them on quite a few hands, where we haven't always seen eye to eye. And the way she said something to me, or the way whatever happened, I, I was hurt. And to, sometimes I don't feel any different. But what I do is I pray, Lord, because I know that I'm not gonna feel different just thinking about the way I feel. I just keep feeling it even more. I just keep putting down one more anchor into that emotion and into that feeling. But if I can begin to pray for her, at least this is what helps me, is to pray, God, you know what my wife needs more than I do. You love her more than I do. God, you want her, and this is where I kind of turn her over to his goodness, is God, you're more interested in her changing to be who you want her to be than I am. So God, let me not get in the way of whatever amazing thing you're doing in her. But Lord, would you also, you know her own hurts. You know her own insecurities. Will you fill those? God, will you come and meet her right where she's at? Lord, help me to let go. God, I wanna pray blessing over her. It shifts something inside of us. It also shifts something inside of us when we've been hurt. I'll keep using tomorrow as the example because it's safe, or I hope it's safe. I'll let you guys know next week if it was or not. But is even when I'm hurt to take ownership for my part and apologize for it. I don't remember who taught me it or what book it was in, uh, but just kind of the idea of even if I think she's 80% of the problem and I'm only 20% of the problem. Anybody with me on that? Okay. <laughs> Is I'm still 100% of my 20%. And so I have to be 100% take ownership of what I've done even if I think it doesn't compare to what I think someone else has done to me. This is all hypothetical, of course, okay? But we confess our sins. We we're quick to say, I was wrong. I wronged you. There's someone who was outside a couple weeks ago or in the lobby and they were talking with someone and I needed to tell the person they were talking to something and so honestly, thinking that what I had to say was more important, I just walked up and said, hey, I, just, I need to interrupt real quick. And as I did it, I realized, you know, they weren't just 
having like a friendly little chit chat with smiles on their faces. Those eyes had seriousness in them. And there was like, there was pain being shared. And I finished saying, and I came back in here and it just did not settle with me. I knew like that was wrong, what I just did. So I made a point to go back and say, I was wrong. You are no less valuable than me. What I had to say was not more important than what that conversation was already taking place. But yet the way I acted was as if it was. And I need to say, I'm sorry. We need to be quick to say we're sorry. And we need to be quick to pray for one another. Because there's power in when we pray for one another. And then it says, so that you may be healed. Something else that's been out there is if you're sick, it's because of your own sin. If you're sick, it's because of unforgiveness. If you're sick, whatever. Now, here's the deal. It can be. There's a lot of things that a lot of, I mean, there's medical studies that aren't faith-based that show that the way we carry unforgiveness, the way we carry bitterness, the way we carry worry, the way we carry um, some forms of anxiety and all these things, they affect our bodies. Now, that doesn't mean that every time we're sick that it is based in it. But we also, we shouldn't jump on, if Eugene comes up for prayer, I shouldn't be like, so who do you need to forgive, Eugene? Huh? God's doing something in you. What is it? Come on, confess it. But on the other hand, if Eugene's going through something, as we pause, and we're just like, Lord, if there's something I need to see, would you show me? God, I, I don't want to miss it. I don't want it to take a two by four, hit me on the side of the head. Help me to see what it is. God, reveal it to me if there's, there's anything. But Lord, if, there, if it's not that, and this is another kind of affliction, something coming against me, Lord, would you come bring your miraculous power and touch my body? Would you come and reverse what's taking place? Lord, I need a touch from you. We call out for God's assistance, God's help in that way. Then it says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish, accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. This was the first verse that I ever memorized that I wasn't forced to memorize. So uh, I told Tamar yesterday, this is the first verse, she's like, seriously? I was like, well, I mean, no, in Sunday school, like they made us memorize verses, but this was the first one I wanted to. Um, and, but it was actually out of like the new King, or the King James. It was the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Who here uses avails a whole bunch? You guys, yeah. But you know, I loved it. Now, when I was younger and a little more zealous, I uh, believed that, man, the, the faster I could walk around the church sanctuary and pray for it, and I would shout and, and just go for it because that was effective and that was fervent, and I would just be pumped, and I'm sorry if I'm scaring you, but I would see it as that. 
But what it's talking about is continuous. It's talking about not giving up. It's talking about full of faith to where I don't just sit and say maybe, but I stand up and I say again, I'm going to go to you, God. It's, it's saying, I, I want to see it change. And I've prayed for Laura week after week. And God, I'm still calling upon your miraculous power until I see it or until you do something different. I'm going to believe in your goodness. And this is my desire is that she is healed of whatever it is. And I'm going to step out in faith in that way. And I'm going to be consistent in leaning on his goodness. But I'm not going to hold his goodness hostage to, the, to him having to do what I'm asking him to do. Because regardless, he is still good. If the praise team will come up. We're going we're gonna to respond to this. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to go back into a couple songs. And so here, it gave out three things at the very beginning in verse 13, in the beginning of 14. If anyone among you is suffering, then they should what? They should pray. So if you're coming against an affliction, something like that, we need to pray. If anyone is cheerful, they should what? Sing. They should praise. So we're going to sing and we praise. If anyone is sick, then he must call on the elders of the church and they will pray over them, anointing them with oil. So I want to ask that the, um, the, the eldership team and the staff pastors, if you guys will come up and, um, and stand on this left side here. And Betty is going to bring you some oil. And if you have a sickness or you have something you would consider yourself sick. It could be with an addiction. It could be with a terminal illness. It could be something that's not terminal, but by golly, it affects your life, as Nicole was talking about headaches and things like that. So we're not saying it has to be something major. And today, you want to step out and just say, God, I'm bringing my sickness. I'm bringing this thing to you. They're going to be over here in a second. You guys can just do it right now, just so that there's something for me to point to. Awesome. Um, and they're going to be over there. And then if you are on the prayer team, I want to ask that you come over to this side. And so if there's something that you just feel like you need to confess, now I ask that you use wisdom in what you're sharing. And I also ask that you would feel safe sharing it with whoever you go up to. Um, but if there's something you just feel like God is putting something on you that you're supposed to confess something and you're supposed to break its hold over you or you're feeling afflicted, you're feeling like you're suffering and you want to get out in faith and say, Lord, I need you to do this. Then I want to ask you to come over here and prayer team, if you guys can be in, in groups of two and if you're by yourself, well, then just go up there, stand by yourself until someone else gets up there that's by themselves and you guys kind of form a team. So, and if you're able, will you stand? And what we're going to do is we're going to sing. We're going to give God our praises, but we're also going to step out in faith. So I don't know what that looks like for you. Again, if you're feeling just suffering or something you need to confess, come over to your left side. And if you're sick and you want people to pray with you and anoint you with oil and we're stepping out, they're going to be here on this side. And the rest of us are just going to lift up our song and praise God.